Now, this is a time of year where we hear a lot of um, talk about it's better to give than to receive. And that is, in fact, true. But you can't go your whole Christian life without receiving from God. And, and you have to receive from him. And so while it is more blessed to be the giver, oftentimes because of the fact that we are children of the Most High King, we find ourselves to be on the receiving end. And a lot of times, because we are children of the King, the devil is on an attack on us. So we have to wonder where our next miracle is coming from, because the devil is putting obstacles in your way throughout the year. And so at the end of the year, I always like to look back on what obstacles I made it past so I could look at the new obstacles that I'm facing, the current obstacles that I'm facing, and remind myself that I've made it through all of the others. And now these here, there's no historical backing that I won't make it through these as well. Uh, I take everything in my life and I try to use evidence in, in the faith, in the real world, in the spiritual world, in the scientific world. I try to combine all the elements of my life and all the elements of my mind, and they always tell me the same thing. God has delivered you before. And he'll deliver you again. So as you're, you're, you're listening to this sermon, I know we all have a certain need. I know we all have things that we've been thinking about all year. And I, I have them myself. I have current issues. I have current problems. I have problems from my past. I have problems that I know might be coming up soon. I have things with expiration dates that don't need to have expiration dates. But <clears throat> I remain faithful in Christ. And so I want to get that in your head today. How do, you, how do you receive from God? How do we get from him? Oftentimes, God just gives to people. He just gives to you. But there are things that you can do to manifest your own miracles. Now, this isn't a formulaic thing where you can do all of these things and write all the right words and say all the right incantations and all of a sudden God is summoned and you can speak to him like some kind of genie. It doesn't work like that. But the way these things work is that if you do certain things, you might find yourself in a better position to receive than you would have if you didn't do those things. And I want to talk about some of those things today. And the first one is you've got to put yourself in the position to receive. It is really difficult for you to get from God if you're busy getting got by the world. You have got to get yourself in places that allow you to receive your miracle. And I'm not talking about a physical location. In today's world, that doesn't matter. What I'm talking about is your spiritual proximity to Christ. Do you work on Sundays and maybe you can't come to church? That's fine, but you can find a way to get that spirit from the Lord some other way. There is ways for you to get a spiritual proximity to Christ. Now, I recommend if you don't work on Sundays, you get into the building because that is a physical proximity to other believers that will help you. But it is your spiritual proximity to Christ that will allow you to receive from him. You can't receive from God sometimes because you're too far away from him. And your miracle is right in front of you, but you've got to step forward. When you look at biblical miracles over and over again, there is something that is done before the miracle arrives. There is no ark without building. There is no Daniel in the lion's den without being put in the den. There is no David and Goliath without a sling. There is something you have got to do to manifest your miracle. It does happen where God just heals you without any kind of manifestation. But oftentimes, God is waiting for you to manifest something, waiting for you to get to his throne and make it happen. 
So what am I talking about? How do you make these things happen? What do you do? Well, I can advise you on spiritual proximity. What you need to do is you need to get rid of the world concepts of what success is and get into the spiritual idea of what success is. The world might tell you success looks like a certain bank account number, but the world is wrong. There are certain elements of a bank account number that are fragile that will expire. There are loans that have interest that will get higher and higher. I know right now because when we got my car that we're driving currently, our credit was nowhere near as good as it is now. And because of that, we have paid thousands of dollars into this car and we've only knocked down a couple of thousand off of the total value of the loan. That is the way the world works. So they're telling you it's good to do these things. It's necessary to do these things. But when you look at them, there's always a way the world is getting from you. They're always finding a way to take from you. So if you find yourself in a position where you're feeling drained, that's evidence that your spiritual proximity is away from Christ. So if you're relying on things like your job to fulfill you, you're relying on things like your relationships to fulfill you, you're relying on things like your health to fulfill you, you are in the wrong proximity. It is about your relationship with Christ, your relationship with God. And there are two really easy ways to get a good relationship with God. Read his word and speak to him. And now a lot of young Christians, they think that you got to come here to church and then you could speak to him. And then you get all your needs Monday through Friday. And then on Saturday you prepare them and then you come back on Sunday and now you can talk to God again. What is the reality is this. You can speak to God anytime about anything. I am simultaneously preaching this sermon to you and speaking to God about something completely unrelated to this sermon. My mind is in two places. I am preaching to you right now, and I have already said prayers that my team of the jersey I'm wearing today does not get crushed in the game that is going on right now. And I can tell you that while that is not a prayer that is necessary, it is communication with God. And practicing communication with God is a good thing. It's never bad to speak to him. So just find ways to communicate to him. And if you're looking for a way to get communicated back with, it's in his word. Pick up your Bible and read. Now, another part of putting yourself in the spiritual position to receive, the reason that's so important is because some of y'all out there are making the travel distance for God to get to you more miraculous than the actual blessing. There is parts of your life where God has got to get so far to you that by the time he gets there, the, the true miracle is, well, God found me in the downdrips. I was down in the ditches. I was out in the clubs having fun, and it took a long time for God to get me. And your miracle becomes less about God releasing you from sin, God releasing you from death, God releasing you from the problems of your past. And it becomes more about the fact that God is so miraculous, he chased me for 30 years. That's evidence that your spiritual proximity is off. Now, I like to think of God like this. I have a cup, and I'm not going to make a mess today like I normally like to, but I have a cup in my sink right now waiting to be washed, and God is like that cup in the sink. And as the water fills in the cup, it starts to spill over. Well, spiritual blessings are what are spilling out of God's cup. God's cup is so full, it is constantly spilling water all over the place. These spiritual blessings, the water of life is just spilling out of God's cup. And the truth is, it's the closest dishes that get the most wet. If you're looking for your life to stop being so dry, you're in the desert and you need a little bit of spiritual water, get a little closer to the dish that's got the water in it. 
There is a fountain for you to find, and you have just got to get within the sink. You have got to get out of the dirty dishes side and into the clean dishes side and just wait for him to wash you clean. Oftentimes, I like to sit the cup on top of a dirty plate just for fun, and I like to spill that cup over and just see how much of the plate can be cleaned by the cup just spilling over. It's not the water. It's not the sponge. It's not my elbow grease. A lot of times, that spillage of water will just clean the plate for me, and I like to do that sometimes as a reminder that 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 is what God is like. If you get under him, that water will drip over and change things in your life. So your receiving of your blessing might come from you just getting a little closer to him. Next, you have to ask without conditions. And I know a lot of people, Christians, non-Christians, new Christians, I know a lot of people who struggle with this. They get into problems with Christ. They get into problems in the world. And the first thing they say is, God, if you only deliver me from this, I will remain faithful for the rest of my life. Oh, God, if you just heal them, you can't imagine the ministry I'll start. Oh, God, if you just, God, if you just, God, if you just, over and over again, I've heard prayers started like that. And I've been guilty of doing some of them myself in the past. That is a conditional prayer. That is a way of you asking God and trying to negotiate with him. Now, I want you to understand it like this. Negotiating God only proves to serve you don't know your place. How dare we go to the king and ask him to do us a favor, quid pro quo. How dare we? Would you go back in the day, would you go to any world leader, would you go to the king of England as a servant boy, would you go there and would you say, oh, king, if you would just release my family from their tax debt, then I would just serve you forever. No, you wouldn't. You'd look like a fool. And in, modern, in the modern world, would you, as somebody who's here today, who has probably relatively normal finances, walk up to Amazon, knock on Jeff Bezos' door, and say, hey, I have got something for you. I have about $47 in my pocket. And if you give me a million, I will give you every bit in my wallet. You'd look awful stupid, wouldn't you? He'd probably laugh you out of the streets. That is the deficit of your audacity there. You are so audacious. We are so often audacious in our prayers telling God, well, if you just, well, if you just. And another element of you not knowing your place in that prayer is you don't have to negotiate. You're a king's son, a king's daughter. You don't negotiate with them. My father and mother are sitting right there. When I wanted from them, I didn't negotiate, I asked. And if it was a yes, it was a yes. And if it was a no, I moved on. Right? Right? I moved on. I moved on. Tell everybody I was good. I was a good kid. But I, I moved on and I moved forward because I knew that I had an entitlement to what was theirs. The power that is God's is yours and you can manifest it. And you don't have to make all of these agreements with God. You don't have to do all of these things. You don't have to write a contract out. You just have to manifest it and believe in it. So you don't understand your place because you're walking to the king and you're forgetting that you're a prince or a princess. You have to get things under control in your life, sometimes by yourself. And God knew that, so he put his power within you. So stop negotiating with God. Also, another element of that is, that is a really fragile way to have faith. 
That's an extremely fragile way to have faith because that's relying on your perspective to think you know what's best. You might be looking at God and saying, I need this job, and if I get it, then I'll come to church every Sunday. And then you don't get it. And then you don't come every Sunday. But then you get another job, and that job pays more than the one you apply to. But since you already decided in your mind you're not going to come unless you get the previous job, now God has blessed you with a whole new level of finances, and you're not here. It's a real fragile way of doing things. That's the world's way of thinking. You've got to understand another condition of asking from God is that the answer may be no, and you've got to be okay with that. And I don't mean okay. I mean legitimately all right with it. Not the kind of all right like when my son asked me if he can play his Nintendo Switch at 9.30 at night on a school night, and I say no, and he mopes into the room. He listens. He doesn't argue. But I can tell he really, really wishes he could give me a piece of his mind. I know my son's face, and I know he has my attitude, and I know he just wishes he could tell me off. But he won't because he knows his place. But it's still not okay. Sometimes I catch him and I tell him, don't walk in my house without a smile. And sometimes when you're walking in God's world, it doesn't matter if he told you no. Put a smile on your face. Be glad you're here. There are people who aren't here. There are people who don't have what you have. There are people who don't even understand God yet. They don't have a relationship with him. Sometimes you just need to get the basic understanding that you at least have a relationship with the high father. You at least know at the end of times you're going to be lasting forever. You at least know that. So maybe put a smile on your face. It is okay to be told no by God. The reason that is is because he's got more understanding than you ever will. He's got more control than you've ever had. The Jesus take the wheel song and the whole spiritual element of I'm going to give God the wheel. That's all well and good. But why wasn't he in the driver's seat in the first place? We are passengers to his vehicle. We are just here for the ride that God is giving us. So when you get a no from God, that's all right. Put a smile on your face and know that I prayed the wrong prayer that day and move on. It's all right. And I can tell you, I use this example a lot, and it's not to go back and talk about anybody that we've been with previously, but a lot of us spent time in high school praying that the man or girl, or the man or woman we were with at the time would be ours forever. And we prayed, the first time you fell in love, you were just like, oh, can this please be it? Can this please, please be it? And as time went on, you realized you weren't compatible. You developed into different people, and you moved on. You forgot about that prayer. And then your true soulmate showed up and you realize what a good answered prayer looks like. You realize that the soulmate that God was sending you was better than the soulmate you were requesting for you. There is people out there that may not be right for you. There are prayers out there that may not be right for you. There are things out there that may not be right for you. And you don't know that. And if you had the concept of knowing what was good and what was right all the time, well, I can certainly tell you most of us wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be where we are today. We'd all meet maybe in some ginormous building that we've all funded ourselves. We'd all drive gigantic vehicles with loads of electronics in them. We wouldn't actually even drive them. We'd have drivers. We'd all be dripping from the fountain of gold. We'd all just be walking in here with no financial issues. But let me know here if anybody, and you can comment online if you'd like, if anybody is free from problems, 
financial, health, spiritual, relationships. None of us are because we don't make good decisions. We live in a world where we have chances and choices and we make the wrong choices sometimes. So when God says no to you, be proud. He's probably stopped you from a lot of heartache. Sometimes the no is better than your yes. A lot of the best prayers I've ever gotten and a lot of the best responses I've ever gotten from the Lord have been absolute no's. And I didn't know it until I knew it, if you know what I mean. You think you know. Well, it's all right. It'll be good. I'll just move on. I'll go forward. And then you find out the truth. Then God gives you a real miracle. And you start to look at what you prayed like a few months ago. And you start to realize, boy, was I in a bad place. Sometimes the world just seeps into you and it kind of comes out when you pray and you can't help it. And that's all right. Don't feel too bad about it. What I'm saying to you is when you ask from God and you don't get from God, don't start throwing your toys out the bathtub. Just enjoy the water. Lastly, in this part of it, when you ask from God, don't let that be the last step you take. Too often we go to God and we pray and then we stop. We say, God, will you deliver me from my heartache? Will you deliver me from my issues? And then we stop. Spiritually, we take a pause. We don't move forward. We don't manifest anything. What I need you to understand is manifest something. Merely going to God is just a part of the process. You don't just go to him and wait. You go to him and then you make it happen. You go to him and you say, God, I need some help in my finances. I need something further in my finances. And then you go home and you take that overtime that was offered to you. You go home and you start to plan out your finances a little bit better. Sometimes it's just a little change in your understanding. That's the real blessing. You don't even realize that some blessings are, are small in perspective and you don't realize they're happening, but it happens. And that's why you've got to do something. Not every miracle is making a blind man see. A lot of miracles are making a dumb man smart for a couple of seconds and then letting him figure out his finances for the month. That has happened to me over and over again. I've done math before I prayed and math after I prayed and I've realized I left a lot of money out when I should have made some changes. And my math was off and all I did was pray to God and the miracle came through when God changed my understanding of some of the numbers. And I got a little smarter when I calculated that time. And I realized, oh, there's 50 extra dollars here. Oh, there's 75 extra bucks. That's happened to me quite a bit. And sometimes you have got to do something. I've told you before at the beginning of this, a lot of times the, the way miracles worked in the Bible is somebody asked of God, needed from God, and then they did a bunch of work and then they got from God. So if you want to take spiritual example... Look at those spiritual examples and find what you need to manifest it. You don't want to be rained on. You don't want to be drowned in the flood. Build yourself an ark. And go to the main example, Jesus Christ. I can't think of anybody who did more to manifest their miracles. Jesus had the power to perform miracles. But every miracle Jesus performed for someone else came because he was doing something already. He had to go to those cities. He had to travel through those worlds. He had to take the brunt of the heartache. He had to take all the doubters. He had to fix all the naysayers. He had to tell everybody who was throwing stones to stop. He was doing work, 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 work for the Father. And every bit of his life was work for the King. Every bit of his life was work for you and I. And that's why he was so miraculous because he knew I can manifest this. 
I can change this. I can go to my father and I can send healing to that person who needs it. And I can take temptation from the devil personally and I can release myself from it because I'm going to do some work for the king. So lastly, the last point of this sermon, and I think this is probably the easiest for some people to understand, but the hardest for people to do. Stay faithful. Miracles take time. Miracles take effort. Miracles have a lot of ingredients. And sometimes when a miracle is cooking, the ingredients include your time, your sweat, your money, your blood and tears, your patience. Don't ruin your meal because you won't season it. God has put all the ingredients together. He's in the kitchen and he's just waiting for you to start dipping in your time. Just sprinkle a little bit of your sweat in. Just sprinkle a little bit of your money in. Just sprinkle a little bit of your patience in. Just sacrifice a little bit more of your time, your effort, your love, your faith to him. Just keep sprinkling those ingredients and watch what happens. Sometimes we are in the kitchen waiting for supper from the Lord. We are waiting from our spiritual meal and we just think, oh, God is ready. God is cooking. God is cooking. But you're a chef too. Go add your ingredients. God may have turned the stove on and put the meat there, but you got to season it because nobody likes dry meat, do they? You don't like going to Thanksgiving and getting turkey that's dry because somebody didn't season it. Your miracles may be dry. Your spiritual miracles might be a little dry because you're not putting in your own seasoning. You're not going in there and dipping in your time and your effort. You're not pouring the gravy of your blood, sweat, and tears of your miracle on the manifested miracle. You're not making it happen. That's the key point of this sermon. We got to make it happen. How do you receive from God? You make it happen. You make it so. Next part of the stay faithful element is you've got to act like you've been somewhere before. Now, I tell that to my kids all the time. We go to a friend's house. We go to the store and they start acting like a fool. And I tell them, you act like you've been somewhere before. This ain't your first time out the house. You know how to act. Well, this ain't your first time at the spiritual house. Learn how to act. This is not the first miracle you've been given. This is not the first problem you've been delivered from. So I don't understand how most of us can make it to the later years of our life and the latter stages. And we could take all of the brunt of our past and we can go on and on about what God's done for us. And we can walk with pride until we just trip over a small problem. And then all of a sudden, ha! Ah! God hates me. He's never been there for me. I'm going to die. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fall apart. Everything is ruined. Even though this is one out of 137 miracles that have been performed for me this year that I'm well aware of, I'm going to cry about it right now. You got to act like you've been somewhere. Act like you know about what God does for you. This ain't your first miracle. Come on now. And, and oftentimes when I tell my kids to act like they've been somewhere before, the first thing they do is they prop up and they start walking. Well, take the example of Logan and Liana Avery. Prop up and start walking. When problems come your way and you see things happen in your life that are a little bit scary, lift your head up, puff your chest out and get to walking. Make something happen, baby. God works in mysterious ways, but you got to work too. You got to make things happen too. The disciples walked with the Lord. Everything he did except the miracles, they did too. 
They didn't heal the blind man. That was God. That was Jesus. But they were walking in the desert too. They were toiling and working. They sacrificed a lot to get there. Some of them even sacrificed their birth name. Some of them became someone entirely new for the Lord. You might have to do the same. And when problems come your way, if you start falling apart at the first sign of trouble, that's a sign that you don't really have your faith in order. Because having faith when it's good is real easy. And I'm going to go back to the whole Manchester United, my favorite soccer team, or San Antonio Spurs, the Dallas Cowboys, whatever you want. It's real easy to be a fan and be loud on Facebook when you're winning. But when you've had three or four months of real crap games, it starts to get a little harder to type out. Yeah, let's go, guys. Looking forward to the game today. Hey, my wife always knows when we lose. And I found a private message between my wife and Alicia, my, her, my sister-in-law, that uh, at a previous game, as the game started, she um, had watched part of the game and left it on while I was gone. And I came back and watched my recording. Well, she knew that we lost. And in that phone text she had sent, it said, hey, Alicia, pray for me. Joe's going to be in a terrible mood. Because <laughs> it's hard when it's hard. But when we're winning, it's real easy to get on Twitter and talk a lot of crap to other fans. But when, when you're in the spiritual world and things are going good and you feel right and you feel close to God and you feel great, that is a relationship with God. But faith comes when it's hard. You don't know you have faith until you've had an issue, a struggle, something that really chances you, something that really starts to make you upset. As Christians, sometimes we get a little upset with God and we don't get our way. We start to feel the way the world is. We start to get a little bitter, a little brokenhearted, and we start to rub our feet together and say, well, you know what? I'm not coming to church. If God won't do for me, why would I do for him? What do I got to give God? What do I need to do? Why should I come to church when God doesn't do for me? And we start to get a little frustrated. That ain't faith. Oh, it's not faith when it's going good. That's just receiving. It's real easy. My kids are happy with me on Christmas. But come January 15th, February 3rd, March 14th, they may not be as happy with me because they're not getting gifts. You may not be always receiving from the Lord. You might be in your time to wait. There is 40 years in the desert for some people in the Bible, and they got a land of milk and honey afterwards. But they had to spend 40 years to get there. And what I want you to understand about that, something we forget, is a lot of their lifespans were spent out there. Some people waited 40 years in the desert to get to the land of milk and honey and only have it for a few years. Your miracle may take time. It may take effort. It may take a lot from you. But it is your job to remain faithful. And if you really want to be able to say, I have faith in God, then when you are in your troubles, when you are in your storms, when you are in your heartaches, and it is your hardest times, then believe. Then believe. Then and only then can you say, oh, I am a faithful man of God. I am a faithful woman of God. I'm not here to downplay your relationship with God. That's not what I'm doing. You can have a relationship with God and make mistakes, but you can't say you have faith in him when you don't. And oftentimes we confuse knowing God and believing in him. It's real easy to know God when you've met him, when you've had a spiritual talk with him. We know he exists. Everybody in this church knows he exists. Everybody online who's watching is aware of his presence in the world. But do you really believe? Do you honestly believe in him? 
That's the question you've got to ask yourself. And you should want that to be such a yes that when troubles come, that's when you're your loudest. The sign of a true fan of a soccer team or a baseball team or a football team is the person who's still talking when it's been rough. That's how you know. I'm a true fan of my team. And when I see people on Twitter who, during the hard times who make posts positively about my team, I hit the follow button because that's who I want around me. And I do the same in my spiritual life. I keep people around me who are suffering, yet they're praising God. I keep people around me that are covered in spiritual manifestations because it didn't matter how rough it got. They got rougher. Lastly, I'm going to close with this. Faith in God shouldn't be tied to tomorrow's miracles. It's about the miracle that happened 2,000 years ago. There is one miracle you need to believe in, and that is the miracle that your bad choices, your sins, your bad mistakes cannot end your life. They cannot ruin your forever if you just believe. As a believer, you are permanently given a forever. There is no negotiation. There is nothing the world can do to take it from you. You just got to stay faithful. You just got to stay faithful. You may have a few years in the dirt, but that's nothing when a miracle happens and you realize, I got forever in heaven. Sometimes we get too tied to what's happening tomorrow and we forget about what's already happened. We forget about what God's delivered us from. We forget about what has taken place. Remind yourself this season, remind yourself at this time, all that you've been through this year. And even if some of those issues are still facing you, look yourself in the mirror and realize you ain't dead yet. There's life within you. Then look in your spirit and realize you ain't never going to be dead. There is nothing that is in that spirit. Oh, this fleshly body, it might go, but my spirit will move on to a perfect body. And I can tell you, I'm only 30 years old, and I, I don't care about this body. I blew my back out earlier this week. I've been limping around all week. This is the best I've felt, and I still feel like crap. My shoulder feels terrible. I'm in pain a lot this week. So when you tell me that my physical body will have an expiration date, but my spiritual body will move on, that is exciting. Woo, baby, there ain't no back pain in heaven. There ain't no shoulder pain in heaven. There ain't no financial problems in heaven. There is nothing that should separate you from your faith because your faith should be tied to something permanent. And that permanent thing it is tied to is the life that Jesus Christ gave to you. Nobody can take it from you. Nobody can say it didn't happen. Nobody can say you're not qualified for it. Nobody can negotiate it away. Your faith is tied to something permanent. My God sent my Jesus to take care of my sins and revive me so I can have my forever. So now I ask you in closing, what do you want to receive from God? Manifest it. Do it. Do it. Make it happen. Get something in your spirit. Go back to what I said previously and realize your place and go make it happen. We don't have to wait on the world. We don't have to wait on nothing. Go make it happen. Father God in heaven, I want to come to you.
And I want to remind myself in prayer of your words in James 1.12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God promised to those who love him. I don't care what the test is. I don't care what my results are. I don't care who's given the test. I know if I just wait a little bit, you'll come through. I know if I remain steadfast, I get my body working, my spirit moving. I get my mind in order. I'll receive that crown of life. At the start of this sermon, God, I asked everybody, and I got something else in my mind too. I asked everybody to think of that one thing that's still straggling on that they need from you. That they need from you, God. We're going to manifest it. Everybody who had that need in their head, we're going to manifest our miracle, God. We're going to realize that when we put in the work, you put in the miracles. We're going to put our ingredients in the, in the pot, God. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to stay faithful. When it gets hard, we're going to act like we've been somewhere before. This ain't our first rodeo, and it won't be our last. But God, we're going to make this a successful time in our life. We're going to make this a turning point for our spirit, a turning point for our faith. Because the last part of that scripture says, for those who love him. God, do we love you. God, do we love you. We love you so much, God. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you continue to do for us, God. And no matter the problems, no matter the heartaches, we're going to stay faithful to you. And no matter what goes on throughout the rest of the next year, we're not going to come to you with conditions. We're going to serve you without having to be blessed first. We're going to come to you, God. We're not going to have to be drawn out from the sand. We're not going to have to be pulled away from our troubles, God. We're going to come to you. We're going to do that work, God. We can't reach you the way you can reach us. But here on earth, we can certainly make that journey a lot shorter. We're going to make it a lot easier for you to reach us. We're going to be in the right places, God. We're going to get our spirit in order. We're going to get our mind in order. When it comes time for it, we're going to get ourselves on the same side of the sink that you're on, God. And we're just going to wait for the spillage of miracles on you, God. And then, Father God, we're going to share that with the world. Because when we're, the truth is, that plate that's under the cup and the sink, it gets full too. And then it starts to spill. And it starts to flow over. So we're going to draw our spirits so close to you that we spill miracles, that we spill blessings. And the people around us, they're healed and they don't even know it. They might think it came from Beth. They might think, think it came from Pastor Cain. They might think it came from Stephen or Virgil. But we know that's just the miracles flowing from the cup of life. In your precious and holy name, God, I pray.